Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt, the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Jimmy of House Nuts. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we are into the Age of Heroes and the Long Night. Yes, you know, Jimmy, doing this sort of refresh at the beginning of the year, diving back into the earliest text we have in the A Song of Ice and Fire world and universe, just to sort of give us kind of, I think, a good ground before we dive right back into the reread. And going back over some of this information, I have to say, has been very informative and very confusing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Because every time I go back and read this stuff, it's so vague and, you know, the maesters are sort of like arguing and even discrediting each other in this lore that when we look at something current like House of the Dragon, I think one of the things we need to remember about the source material or the books, right, is that all of the source material we have is from maesters writing at the time, as well as maesters who are sort of reading that work and then talking about it from a different perspective. So it's interesting to sort of look at the way George has written these history books, because he himself has even said, you know, these are like fictitious histories, not only as in like, this is a work of fiction and these are histories of that, but they are fictitious inside of their own universe. (laughs) So it definitely plays more wild. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And the maesters have a bias against magic. We know that the maesters are not big fans of dragons either. And it, it is interesting, you know, when we read like Feast for Crows and we see that there is a bias against it in the Citadel, but there are, are some there that, um, you know, believe not only in the magic, but are outright looking for it and think there's a lot of power in it with uh, dragons and magic coming back into the world. So uh, th- there's a little bit of a war on information and, and it's it's actually uh, fascinating to read it. And I think it provides a lot of depth and reread ability to uh, all of the works inside of a song of ice and fire yeah so <clears throat> so we did one of these um just a few weeks ago we did sort of the dawn age right and mm-hmm. uh just a little bit of that so this is the age of heroes which is just it's all really i sort of view it as like one block at least the way it's written it sort of feels like and then they sort of do some time jumps and like, I mean, some serious time jumps and we get to a little things a little more modern with like the doom of Valyria. And stuff like that. So we're still, even though we have jumped forward from like the Dawn Age, potentially hundred to thousands of years, at least as it sort of details, we're still thousands of years away from even like Aegon's Conquest, right? Which we know is 300 years before the Game of Thrones and around 150 or so years before House of the Dragon. So we're way far away, but it's still really interesting to sort of go through and look at this these sort of little blocks of chapters here and again this is from the world of ice and fire book so um you can go read that and some of these are they're pretty short right the age of heroes is honestly just like a page and then the long night goes just just a little further so really i think we'll start with the age of heroes jimmy and i guess just kind of maybe big takeaways from this it's really only about you know three paragraphs is honestly all it is yeah, and it, it's it's a, a large amount of time. That's the other thing is that it, it's it's easy to think about this being like a century or so. But no, this is like uh, if I if I read this correctly, I think it's thousands of years. Uh, mm-hmm. The first opening sentence is the age of heroes lasted for thousands of years in which kingdoms rose and fell. Noble houses were founded and withered away and great deeds were accomplished. Yet we truly know 
Um, what we truly know of those ancient days is hardly more than what we know of the Dawn Age. The tales we have now are at the work of Septons, maesters writing thousands of years after the fact. Yet, unlike the children of the forest and the giants, the first men of the Age of Heroes left behind some ruins and ancient castles that can corroborate parts of the legends. And there are stone monuments in the barrow fields and elsewhere marked with their runes. It is through these remnants that we can begin to ferret out the truth behind the tales. And I think that this is like so fascinating because we see this in our own world as well. Uh, this is something I talked about at length with Malazan author Stephen Erickson. He's an ar archaeologist, worked in the field on multiple digs, and he's just like, you know, piecing together some of what has happened through these ruins is is a, a tall task. And sometimes there is, uh, you know, there's a narrative painted around it that we can't really be sure is true, but we can only do the best to gather what we can from the ruins. So that's kind of what the Age of Heroes is the very first like generation on Westeros that we can do that with, because with the coming of the first men in the Dawn Age, there are no remnants uh, that we should say that are in historical context. Obviously, the children of the forest, apparently we think are still hanging around somewhere, uh, but not so much uh, with things stuck away in the Citadel. So this is a large spanning time where, you know, rising and falling of things. You could probably write a seven book series in just one of the arcs of age of heroes. So it's interesting to think about, right. you know, this just honestly, it's kind of overwhelming to think about everything that could have happened during the age of heroes. Well, I mean, look at just, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's almost like looking at, you know, and sometimes when you're watching shows like discovery channel or whatever, and they're mm -hmm. starting to talk about the galaxy, how it's like, you're on like your street. And then they sort of zoom out to like the state, to the country, to the world, to the, milk, <laughs> yeah. you know, to our solar system, to the Milky Way. And that's kind of what this looks like here. I mean, just think about, think about the, how much we see in just, you know, a song of ice and fire, the game, you know, game of Thrones, whatever, just that story is like in the books, it's like three years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like, so much happens, let alone, you know, even just back to Aegon's conquest. Right. Yeah. And here you're talking about thousands of years, right? So one of the things that says here is names such as Bran the Builder, Garth Greenhand, Land the Clever, and Durin God's Grief are names to conjure with, but it is likely their legends hold less truth than fancy. And again, this is saying this lasted for thousands, plural, of <laughs> yeah. years, right? I mean, think about Old Nan. Old Nan is trying to remember which Brandon she's thinking of when she's telling some of these stories. And it's like, she doesn't even know. And that's just her lifetime, which will even give her like the benefit of the doubt and say she's made, you know, over a hundred. So if that's the case, then here we're talking not just three years we're or uh, 50 years. We're talking thousands. Yeah. So it's kind of, you know, sort of crazy uh, to sort of look at. And I think if the same goes for our world, right. When we look back, thousands of years right and it's like oh you know like the pyramids 3000 bc or whatever you know whatever and it's like that's a really long time it's so like, it's long ago really long time it's ago. hard to comprehend yeah. it it is it really yeah is. it's also neat um that a lot of these legends like you just said garth the green hand you know is mentioned in the main series so like there's almost something to it. You know, the fact that they're still right. mentioning it in Westeros thousands of years later. And Garth Greenhand has one of the best quotes in the main series. And, uh, you know, forgive me, it's a little not safe for work. But uh, <laughs> Olena right. Redwine says to Sansa Stark, Garth liked to plant his seed in fertile ground, they say. I shouldn't wonder that more than his hands were green. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, I'm looking. So I'm looking here and just trying to think of like even people in our own world, like how many like really it's like are there there aren't that many people I think that we sort of reference often that were sort of like even from, you know, we're in the year this is 2023 now. Mm-hmm. So like 2000. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the people we reference in sort of history and stuff like that were all, you know, sort of born after tw- after year zero right i mean like alexander the great but that's that's like 300 bc mm-hmm. right i mean like jesus is obviously zero or king herod you know, would probably right, be yeah. pretty popular yeah 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 so it's just like we don't really reference that many people so for them to have these sort of heroes and statues and things that they talk about thousands of years later um it's just sort of interesting especially given that it's sort of this medieval setting right i mean i think it's easy for us to sort of think about like in the future, right? If information is maintained and not lost, then yeah, it would be easier, I think, to sort of look back at some of these people. But here in the sort of, you know, medieval, low fantasy setting, it's like, wow, you guys really hold on to these legends. Yeah, this almost feels like uh, Westeros' equivalent to maybe Gilgamesh and the Epic of Gilgamesh mm-hmm. and and all of those legends that came from that because I think Gilgamesh was what, like 2000 B.C.? or so like very far back and was i mean still legend to this day so i almost feel like that's kind of the age of heroes of our time uh might be gilgamesh because there's such amazing deeds being sung uh that that happened during this time period so really fascinating stuff and i just if there's ever been a a period for people to create content or even fan fiction or new shows or whatever it might be. I think the age of heroes is most likely the best place to be for that right. uh, original content that George didn't write, because uh, this is high fantasy stuff. When you read through these legends, Oh, absolutely, I mean, it's really incredible, especially with the idea that magic may have been more prevalent back then. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I don't, because there was the, I think it was its project name was like Blood Moon or something. Mm-hmm. That it was the first one thing they announced was going to be like a Dawn Age long night, yeah, show, right? Crazy. It's crazy, yeah. I think because we all sort of looked at it and we all sort of thought that's like not where I would have gone first. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I will say this. One of the att- like attractions of A Song of Ice and Fire in general is that it's low fantasy. And it mm-hmm. and the reason why it works as low fantasy, even for people who like love Tolkien and other high fantasy stuff or Marvel or whatever it might be, is the fact that there is a sense of conspiracy and there is a sense of mystery whenever you introduce this land as low fantasy and then all of a sudden dragons are coming back. So it almost plays to superstition in a way without having to you know full-blown have everyone casting lightning bolts out of their hands so right b- the blood moon shows show is a weird thing to do because we've been sold a song of ice and fire as this low fantasy which kind of turns into high fantasy by the end of it right, right. but but still when you ask people about song of ice and fire and why they like it a lot of people say well i think it's just a little bit more realistic or i think it's a little lower to the ground um and i i think that a blood moon show would be a little tough to sell for right. the masses now for me and you we'd probably love it right and a lot of these li- right. if you're listening to this podcast right now you probably also <laughs> like to right. see these things but i think for the general audience as far as television goes that it, it could be a little tough yeah i think you could do it i think you just have to do it down the line mm-hmm. right i i yeah. think it's like i'm i haven't watched it yet but i've seen very mixed reviews on like you know even the witcher which is sort of high as high fantasy mm-hmm. um 
but it's sort of like a gritty setting, of course. Yeah, dark fantasy. Yeah, yeah, is it has its origin show, right? Um, but I think it's easier to sort of do that, right? Like even I think even you know mixed reviews, whatever, um, brings a power. I don't think you know the idea of brings a power was weird. Right. I think it was just like, hey, we don't really have the source material for it, but I think it's easier to be like, okay, we're going to go back. Yeah. And it's going to make a young Gladriel and young Gandalf and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just easier. Here, it's sort of like, yeah, I don't know, man. That's just so far back because really at the core of Game of Thrones story, and I think this is one of the reasons House of the Dragon was the perfect place to go. I actually don't think even Aegon's Conquest or... I mean, Robert's Rebellion would have been the only other place, even Duncan Egg and stuff like that. I think House of the Dragon is the best place mm-hmm. to go um, is because it's really a political drama. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could you could swap this around to be like a modern day show and it's guns and their gangs and, you know, however you wanted to do it. <laughs> but like, I mean, you could I mean, like the backstabbing and all, of, you know, right. all of that stuff. You know, you'd have to rework dragons and stuff like that. It's one of the arguments I make about, you know, like Star Wars is Star Wars is really just fantasy in a oh, space yeah. theme. Like, it's definitely For not. Sure. It's definitely not science fiction. Yeah. You were I mean, Star Wars could easily be replaced with like magical swords and magic mm-hmm. uh, and it would still completely work like, yeah. you know. So because it's more about like family and, you know, stuff like that. So it's it's just man, I just would have been hard to go back here. Well, yeah, to and do what, a, to do a show at first, at least. And, and part of the reason why, you know, I think a lot of people are drawn to this series is because Westeros is kind of like home, like a really messed mm-hmm. up home. Right. And even in House of the Dragon, we've talked about this before, but like Westeros feels a little bit different. Like King's Landing feels different with all those Targaryen banners, but it's still close enough. That you you can recognize some things. If you go back to the Age of Heroes, there is no recognizing Westeros. Um, it, it it I mean, it's a completely different world at that point, right? Uh, not just for the magic, but even stuff not being formed yet. Uh, you know, there hasn't been all these things built. And we've debated on when the wall was built. We we did a right. whole episode on that, right? But you know, I don't know if it would feel like Westeros because it, it would be a totally different time period with different cultures and different houses. Uh, so I think it could be a hard sell for a lot of people. Yeah. 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 It's just interesting to sort mm-hmm. of go back and think about it. Yeah. I, I just, I, I would really love to at some point. I, and they've, it's never been released, which I find odd. So maybe it's still back. You know, George has said, hey, you put something off the shelf and maybe you um, put it back on. He even commented that, you know, he was sad to see that happen. Mm-hmm. So I'm just I would love to see just sort of even, you know, even without like spoilers, and stuff like that, but just like what the general plan was, what it would have even potentially looked like. You know, they're going to have a female lead. I don't remember the actress's name. Yeah. Uh, but she was going to be like the lead of this. So really, um, Naomi something, I think. Uh, but what Naomi Watts, I think. Yeah. I might be wrong. Sort of, it, was, yeah. it was a big actor, though. Um, apparently, the pilot yeah. was a complete and utter disaster, though. Yeah, like, well, was it? I mean, the pilot of Game of Thrones, the original pilot of Game of Thrones was apparently also was a nightmare. disaster. <laughs> Right. Um, one of my favorite and, and to kind of get back to like the yeah. heroes text, because I have the good book open in front of me here. Um, and I really like this sentence and I want to see what you think about it. I shouldn't say sentence. It's, it's multiple sentences. But do such heroes did such heroes once exist? It may be so. But when the singers number Sir 
Uh, Serwin of the Mirror Shield, as one of the Kingsguard, an institution that was only formed during the reign of Aegon the Conqueror, we can see why it is that few of these tales can ever be trusted. What do you think of that? Yeah. Um, well, for starters, let me phrase that this is why how this is why this book is ultra confusing. Mm -hmm. Because you would imagine it would be go like a history book. Okay, this happens, then this happens, then this happens. No, because they commentate on things like sort of that are happening before and after mm -hmm. and around and how this, you know. And so you're like, hold on a second, Kingsguard. Because the first time I read this, I was like, well, hold on a second. They had a Kingsguard. But no, 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 they're talking about the Kingsguard. And so, yeah, but um, yeah, did such heroes exist? It may be so. But when the singers, you know, number Serwin of the Mirror Shield as one of the Kingsguard, you know, we can see why few of these tales can ever be trusted. Does yeah. this not kind of present a current history bias from this maester 100%. writing this down? Because if you think about it, couldn't there have been a Kingsguard back then? Sure. Why not? Maybe. Like, it's not the most original idea, guys. Like, like maybe it didn't have the exact number or the exact rule set. But I just think it's funny that they're like, well, of course, the first Kingsguard was during Aegon's Conquest, because that's where our history kind of began in current era. So there's like a bias coming through. And that's I think that these are some great sentences right here. Uh, it kind of gets uh, my brain moving a little bit and being like, well, you know, if there were multiple landmarks or, or places uh, of interest in different kings ruled like petty kings, maybe they all had Kingsguard. Like, how did that work? Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, even if you go and you look at, say, like, take uh, Cal Drogo. For yeah. example, right. The Dothraki have their sort of like, yes, core group that surrounds them. And this, you know, and you could argue that's their king's guard. Exactly. Uh, if you want to. Yeah. They also have sort of their sworn protectors. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's, you know. Yeah. There's so, always, yeah, it's just go ahead. There's always like a bias that we have done something better uh, in the future when actually in, in all reality, sometimes uh, we're treading over already tilled ground. You know what I'm saying? Like there's times where we think we've come up with this brilliant, amazing modern idea, but it actually already happened 2000 years ago. <laughs> for mm -hmm. instance, plumbing, <laughs> like plumbing happened. Oh yeah. And then went away for quite a few uh, centuries there in the dark ages. And then, you know, we rediscovered plumbing and I'm sure the first person was like, man, yeah, I'm this is brilliant. This is very modern, right. but Rome had that. So it's just to, like things like used, that. They used to stone people who said that the earth was round. <laughs> Look at this. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I call them crazy. So, yeah. It's... <laughs> Shout out to all of our flat earth uh, listeners out there. You're crazy. But is Westeros, is, is Planetos flat? Uh, probably. <laughs> What's west of Westeros, Matt? <sighs> the, you just fall off. It's just a cliff. <laughs> right um yeah okay so as you continue on here i mean look at this he even they even then go on to say just a sent a sentence down right you know um the septums who r first wrote them down took what details suited them and added others and the singers changed them sometimes beyond all recognition for the sake of a warm place in some lord's hall in such a way does some long dead first man become a knight who follows the seven and guards the targaryen kings thousands of years after he lived the legion of boys and youths made ignorant of the past history of Westeros by these foolish tales cannot be numbered. So again, so much arrogance. <laughs> it, again, this is one of these things where it's like, as us, we read this as in like, okay, this is like the history of Westeros. Mm -hmm. But George very early on is like, you can't even trust any of these, these narrators. It's right. And, and there's an arrogance to these statements. I mean, whenever right. the, you know, foolish boys and children, but 
sometimes that you know uh old nan is telling things about children of the forest and giants and everyone thinks old nan's just a crazy old bat and it turns out mm -hmm. that not only was she correct but she also was getting busy with sir duncan the tall so perhaps <laughs> yeah so then you move down to the then you move down to the next little block here and i know um i'm looking at it on the the ebook mm -hmm. um but i know it's sort of it the way it's presented on the page is sort of its like own little thing too and i think you miss this if you're not if you don't really listen to the audiobook i think it's it's much better displayed in the audiobook because it's another septon that talks so then it goes back to another septon right who's talking and he says you know they, they often contradict each other uh, it says it's best to remember that when we speak of legendary founders of realms, we speak merely of some early domains generally centered on a high seat, such as Casterly Rock or Winterfell, that in time incorporated more and more land and power into their grasp. If Garth the Greenhand ever ruled what he claimed was the kingdom of the Reach, it is doubtedly its writ and anything more than normal beyond a fortnight's ride from his halls. But from such uh, petty domains arose the mightier kingdoms that kind came to dominate Westeros in the millennia to come. So yeah, so here they're even saying that whatever regions these people claimed to hold may have actually been smaller than, you know, what the reach is today and stuff like that as bigger houses rise and you have more lords that take over smaller houses and your sort of reach grows. It is crazy to think about though. Um I mean, I study history, right? That's what that's what I did. That's what I did in college. Mm -hmm. Um when you sort of look back and you begin to think about like, you know, today it's like, I don't even remember honestly what it was like. I don't know what 15 years ago when we had to map quest things. And I don't mean like on our phones, like we do now print them out. We had to print them out. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, older generations are like, yeah, we just had to know how to get, how to get there. And it's like sort of crazy to think about that. And it's like, how did people back in the day, I mean, how did these people like, during times of horses and swords or camels and spears and bows and arrows and stuff how did they even like control these huge regions it is and know that they like how did like rome like how did that even actually work yeah and and even the beginning of like of agriculture is fascinating to me it's just a nerd dude i so when i was traveling around for pro wrestling when i was doing that and i was go mm -hmm. i was traveling every week four or five days we've, a week now right? we've literally turned into the joe rogan show we really have haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> but i'm dude, gonna go eat some elk uh <laughs> while you finish your statement about you know martial arts do some dmt i mean yes. dude when i used to do pro wrestling shows though you know a lot of them are in small town bingo halls ymcas school gymnasiums and I would literally uh, get lost with a GPS and I would just ask guys like Ricky Morton from Rock and Roll Express. I'd be like, dude, how did you used to find towns back in the 80s when you were when you were town hopping? And he goes, you just ask people. And I'm like, what do you mean? Ask people. He's like, I just pull over and be like, hey, Bubby, where's the where's the show at? And I'm, it just blows my mind that, you know, prior, prior to probably 2010, seven, somewhere around there that. uh all those wrestlers were making those towns and they, they didn't have a GPS. <laughs> yeah, it is wild. It is it is wild. Now, do you, here's a question, I guess, because I think it's, it's sort of easy. Once the Targaryens come over, it's honestly actually a little bit easier to understand how they would control everything because they have dragons. They can fly high above and see lands, mm -hmm. right? The children, at least through the use of weirwood trees, would be able to have 
eyes and ears and access points to a lot of different parts yeah of you know the realm i mean you look at like the dothraki and they have they're just that's why they're a moving tribe right which mm-hmm. existed in our thing that makes sense um i think as you get closer to like the lannisters and everything like that like because you now have sort of established footholds like contacts right and these lords that answer to you that then come bring you information it becomes a little bit easier but if you're talking about the first men right these people come over to this huge massive land like how did they figure it all out and and <laughs> you know Here, here's establish a these holds well here's a question do you think the children of the force ever wrote anything down like we're talking about these ruins and, and you know hieroglyphics or whatever and it's like well the children of the forest did have a kind of I, like like they could see through think... the weird woods i don't know yeah it's 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 difficult because in the books we don't really see anything like you know like the symbols that the white walkers use in the show that they never ever explained um <laughs> yeah they never explained that <laughs> remember like the second episode of season eight i know it's like there's a thing on the wall and you're like oh my god maybe we're finally gonna get and then they release some sort of like promotional image and they're like that's it like what's it it's just that you just shared like a picture like that's how they know what it is it's so stupid but um (laughs) none of that none of that sort of symbolism is there uh in 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 the books at least we know of you know john i think also in the end of season seven or one of the when he's in dragonstone they find like paintings and stuff in the caves right yeah, and they right. sort of of course they never went any further with that either but um <laughs> i do I, I think we will maybe get something but i guess if leaf like perhaps lives thousands of years then i guess i just don't see a reason for them to sort of write any of this stuff down no. because in theory they would have just lived the whole thing it kind of reminds me of the druids like how much uh um see i think it was caesar caesar hated the druids because they wouldn't write anything down and in like even in his writings he would just curse them and just call them like you know idiots for not writing stuff down so it's like Aegon the conqueror comes and he almost kind of represents a roman in some sort of way Mm -hmm. like a conqueror and uh then we have a written record begin and before that, well, we had like children of the forest who were kind of like druids, I guess. You know, I right. I, I try to draw parallels where I can. And uh, well, I George do does. That. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, OK, so then so that's honestly the the age of heroes. It's sort of just a bland. It's sort of just literally like we honestly read the whole thing, actually, to be honest. Um, it's just <laughs> sort of like, here you go. There was all these people. And it is it's too it is. interesting so now, not to read. <laughs> I know. So now it moves into the next chapter is the long night and this is where things honestly get ultra confusing yes. because i'll read just a little bit here a little bit here so as the first men established their realms following the pact a little troubled a uh, little trouble them save their own feuds and wars or so the histories tell us it is also from these histories that we learn of the long night when a season of winter came that lasted a generation a generation in which children were born, grew into adulthood, and in many cases died without ever seeing the spring. Indeed, some of the old wives' tales say that they never even beheld the light of day, so complete was the winter that fell on the world. While this last well, this last may well uh, be no more than fancy, the fact that some cataclysm took place many thousands of years ago seems certain. Lomas Longstrider, in his wonders made by man recounts meeting descendants of the Roinar 
in the ruins of the festival city of uh, Chorain, who have tales of a darkness that made the Roin dwindle and disappear. Her waters frozen as far south as the joining of the Sel Selhor. I don't remember exactly how I pronounced it, but it's a weird word. Uh, according to these tales, the return of the sun came only when a hero conceived uh, Mother Roin are convinced Mother Roin, many children, lesser gods, such as the Crab King and the Old Man of the River, to put aside their bickering and join together to sing a secret song that brought back the day. Okay, so that's like sort of like the Roin, right? Their uh, version of it. Then you have a Shai, right? Where you have another thing. So this this long night happens, at least of all the lands we know, it, it takes place over the whole thing. Yes. Right? Uh, and this is where it gets a little interesting. So in the in Ashai, there is you have the followers of Relor that claimed that a hero was Azora High and pro and prophecy prophesies his return. Um in Yiti, they actually claim that there was another hero over there. Uh it was that the discovery that the disaster was averted only by the deeds of a woman with a monkey's tail. Now that one is actually sort of is really easy to sort of pick where George got that inspiration from, which is, uh, I believe it's a Chinese tale journey to the West or something like that. Sort of like a long sort of established. And it's been adapted many times. Of course, the most common adaptation of that is uh, dragon ball. Um, <laughs> but it originally is like folklore, which we are big fans legend, of, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I'm a we love Dragon awesome Ball. Dragon Ball. Huge. Oh, yeah. Huge, <laughs> huge Dragon Ball fan. Yeah. But that's where it's sort of initially. I mean, it initially came from from that. And there's been other movies. I think there's another one. There's an there's a new other animated movie that's coming out. Like often you hear that it's like Monkey King is sort of what it's referred to. But so you can see where George is sort of drawing inspiration. But I guess sort of the interesting thing is that at least all around the rest of the world outside of westeros which he gets to they get to here in a little bit is that the long night fell but it was put down by heroes at least in their regions mm -hmm. and a lot of them also have to do with gods yeah and then you begin to wonder because like we also talk about the others coming out and trying to extinguish all flames and they're coming from the land of always winter which is obviously centralized around westeros right like they're all going into westeros right. so my brain starts to wonder it's like are the others the catalyst of this event or are they a byproduct of this event? Like, is there some sort of global thing that then pushes them down? Like one of the things that people have thrown around for many years is like, you know, and, and we have dived into this a bit talking about how maybe the others are a very sophisticated people and they have their own language and rituals. And like, you know, they, they really are a people and they live in the lands of always winter is something happening, um, you know, with the weather or geographical that is pushing them down to the South in a mass migration. And it just so happens to feel like this is happening, like that everything else is happening because of them, but maybe, the long night is actually pushing them south and they're not the catalyst of it. So, you know what I mean? Like there's a, there's a lot right. of questions surrounding this. And when, whenever we were on the show and we started seeing these symbols and seeing a night King, and it seems like there's a hierarchy of power. I think we were all kind of questioning, like, when are we going to find out more about how this all works? And uh, of course the show didn't give us the, those answers. I do believe that George would. And will if uh, you know these last two books can ever come out, that'd be great. Um, 
But this is like the driving force is that clearly something is happening global. The others seem to be Westeros localized. And that is very, very fascinating. This kind of reminds me of the fact that, um, you know, there was a great flood thousands of years ago. We, uh, we There's a lot of evidence that in, in pretty much all historical tales of mm -hmm. all different types of people around the world, that there was some sort of flood. Obviously the Bible talks about Noah's Ark and whatnot, but if you go to other religions, there's other uh, reasons for it or other historical tales. Uh, a lot of people think it's also from the polar ice caps melting and rising the sea uh, and the ocean mm -hmm. uh, very high, um, blah, 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 blah. So I feel like this is kind of that, like trying to find out what really happened all those years ago. Was it a natural occurrences? And we get a little footnote about how, the maesters have been trying to figure out the seasons and the rotations, but it's not an exact science. And um, right. who, who would have thought messing with seasons would make for such a compelling world? I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so interesting because sometimes I've thought because, again, in the show, the White Walkers we know are created by the children of the forest. Mm -hmm. That may be the route that George does go in in Winds of Winter and Dream Spring if we ever obviously get them. And I do believe that we will in the event we get both of both or at least maybe wins because i think we'll probably learn about it in wins it's going to be when we learn about what the deal is with them um i do i i think it's let me see how i want to phrase this you know the the, the show goes with that the children created them as sort of like a nuclear weapon mm -hmm. to say hey all these people are coming over to our lands we have to find a way to to deal with them sort of backfires just right because they turn their enemy into an, an even stronger enemy um but in i would say the difference between the others the white walkers in the books and the show is that they do so they we see more of them in the show even even if you cut out like season six seven eight we still see more of them in the show than we really do in the books but it's just sort of interesting because it does it does seem like they've existed from even before when people came over. Yeah. Right? Because they're mentioned in the Dawn Age sort of even before the First Men and Andal show up. That's right. And so the, if there's even the a case, footnote about this saying right. that, you know, maybe these were First Men being pushed down. You know, I, it's very unclear. Right. So, yeah, we don't exactly know still the timeline on it whether they appeared first or whether they appeared second or whatever and then we also don't know what causes this long night um i i've you know i've been we've been looking at the theories online for years and stuff like that and i i've seen some that sort of talk about you know as it cuts away here from what's going on and how they were defeated in the other realms it sort of comes back to uh you know westeros here you know, um, talking about, you know, in the north, it's the last hero who sought out uh, the intersection of the children of the forest, his companions abandoning him or dying one by one as they faced giants and servants and giants, cold servants and the others themselves alone. He finally reached the children despite the efforts of the White Walkers, uh, which makes it seem like, hold on, are they are the children controlling the White Walkers? Or was it just sort of like he had to cut through them to get to the children? Yeah. But then it says, thanks to the children, the first men of the Night's Watch, 
uh, banded together and were able to fight and win the Battle of the Dawn, the last battle that broke the endless winter and sent the others fleeing to the icy north. So notice they did not defeat them. Right. Right. Which might be the case in uh, the main series. They may not like defeat them forever. This they might just be a cycle. Need, they may also not need to be defeated forever. We don't know because we, they, they appear to be more intelligent in the books and the short little descriptions yes. we get of them for sure. than they are in, in the show. And then it says, now, 6,000 years later, the wall made to defend the realms of men is still manned by the sworn brothers of the Night's Watch, and neither the others nor the children have been seen in many centuries. Casting so, a little bit of doubt on whether it really right. existed. So nowhere, well, here's what's kind of interesting, is that nowhere in here, by the way, um, does it talk about perhaps like, oh, it was the Sword of the Morning who defeated defeated them. And like Dawn right. and Starfall, because right. I've always sometimes, you know, like your mind's all over the place. And I've sort of thought right. maybe like, oh, maybe it was perhaps like a meteor that hit that causes ash and everything to go up, which could cause the White Walkers to go south. And maybe also inside of that meteor would be whatever hits Starfall. And that's where Dawn was created. And that's the weapon that's used to defeat them. So yeah. you never know. Um, but I think it's interesting to see that either one all of these tales we're getting is that somehow they're defeated and pushed mm -hmm. back but it doesn't talk about the others existing in other regions just that they also had darkness and everything that took place there and we don't know what the deal was like i could see perhaps the others being in yt as well because while we haven't seen the full map in theory the land of always winter could stretch kind of like alaska used the to stretch way. into russia as like a mm -hmm. land bridge Right. So I could see that being a case. Yeah, I could see that too. There. I mean, one of the questions we have, like clearly we have a question right now talking about the long night many, 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 many centuries ago. We're asking the question of like, why did this happen? And what is going on with the others? But the the crazy thing is, Matt, is that we can also ask that about the main series. It, let's just say the show in the force did create the others, right? Mm -hmm. And they were pushed back and the children of the forest realized the error of their ways. My, my question is, is like, well, what made them come back again? You right. know what I'm saying? Uh, now, is it, they can only move where it is cold. Like maybe that is, it's as simple as that. So when this long winter just happens to coincide with this time period in history that they start moving South again, and it's actually just like the temperature, I don't know, but you can ask the same question for both long nights. You can ask, why did this one happen? And even if you guess at an answer here, you have to then say, okay, well, if it was the children of the forest, then why did they come back again? Which leads to my favorite. This is my favorite outcome in theory is that, the children of the forest lost that fight. They did do the, they did create the white walkers, but it is not now that they want to extinguish them again, but rather fight again, like a new war with the children of the forest and that they're manipulating brand. I think that that would be right. Oh, like that would just be heart wrenching. It would be. And it is interesting to think about why, why are they coming? Why, why are they coming now? Like what yes. event is what event is exactly. taking place now that's causing this? Because one of the interesting things is, you know, we we look at all these things, and I've seen all the I've seen all these great arguments online, and I'm not discounting any of them. Um, was a gray area who did who did a theory about like it's actually like Rhaegar. When, 
Rhaegar, when Rhaegar dies, like that's the trigger. I love that theory. My own, I guess my only question though, and again, this, some of this is just because of this text that while we have here is so loosely based and perhaps the timeline that we have back here is totally wrong. Like possibly. we also don't know like how long a year is in Westeros. We also don't know if the wall was built during the long night, before the long night, after the right. long night. But my, I guess my sort of question is if the others are pushed back for potentially thousands of years, mm -hmm. right? Why is it like, because a lot of the argument for them coming back now is that, okay, well, like magic was gone, but like now magic is coming back or like it's the Targaryens that they feared because there were dragons. But we sort of know that Queen Allison couldn't, uh, Queen, good Queen Alysanne couldn't fly her dragon above the wall. Yes. Could just be the wall has this sort of magical protection or two. But if, but then if it's, if it's the, well, the Targaryens don't show up for thousands of years. I mean, we know, well, we know and they're not that, the only dragon riders and that we know that the Targaryens established Dragonstone for longer than egg on the conqueror, because that's sort of their seat. So we don't know how long they were there. Although we do know that one of the next things, right. The next chapter um, in this book, which I have covered on the podcast, like some of the early, early stuff is sort of the rise of Valyria. Um, but one of the things we don't know, in all honesty, because again, they, these texts are so broad and everything, but the rise of Valyria and dragon riders and everything could be like taking place during at the same time before the same time it, the next chapter immediately starts and says as westeros recovers from the long night a new power was rising in essos the vast continent stretching from the narrow sea to the fabled jade sea um seemed to be the place for civilization as we know it developed right and then it goes into talk about like the dragon riders and all of these things but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not taking place at the same time because as we've just seen all these maesters discredit each other they discredit the timelines and, and dragons, it could it could be like our our world where some people think that we're only six thousand years old, you know. Maybe maybe it is. Maybe it's not. <laughs> I'm, gonna say, I'm gonna years. I'm gonna put my uh, my hat. I'm in not the... saying I'm not saying that our world is, but you know, people <laughs> there there's groups of people out there that believe that. Yes, and and you know that that is their truth, and they believe that full heartedly, and you can't knock it. I guess. I mean, if 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 that's what they're in for, but right. The thing that in Westeros it could be the. It That's could, right. It could be the case. And, and another weird thing is, is like um, two things. So one, dragons seem to be like somehow related to the magic in the world, right? Like at mm -hmm. least that's what we see in the main series. And it, it did all start with a meteor coming across, which is a trope in fantasy that's been around forever now. Um, but it's like, okay, are the dragons and the others of the long night, are those also connected? Like are the children of the forest cut from the same cloth? I don't know. And I need these answers, George. I need them. So write the damn books, please. Also, I just want to note that uh, one of the things that I despise about the end of the show, I actually don't mind Bran becoming king as, as many other people do. My problem with Bran becoming king is the brand that we got in the show. It's just like this all-seeing, all-knowing, time-traveling um, god that becomes king. And I think we're meant to think that this is like a... Like, well, it's the best we could do. Like, it's kind of like it's almost a happy ending, bittersweet, as they called it. I do not believe for a second that George R.R. R. Martin would sit someone like that on the Iron Throne and it be a good thing where everyone's supposed right. to clap at the end. And the show did not put it in a light where we should be fearful of this, of this. I mean, essentially surveillance error beginning right with Bran. 
I don't believe that's what George Martin's going for. And I think that's one of the biggest like bastardizations of the show to the books. And if Bran is indeed supposed to sit on the throne, which George did tell them that piece, I don't think that it's going to be a good thing, which is where it kind of goes back to, is he compromised by the children of the forest? Right. So, yeah. And there's a, and there's a lot more, there's a lot more to dive into with Bran and the three eyed crow. Yes. Right. And potentially a servant of the great other, which could be the God of <laughs> the white walkers. I mean, you know, is Bran the builder. Right here. Here it's sort of a good thing in the show. It sort of ends up being a good thing, but we don't know that that's the case. That's right. In, in, in the books. So. That's right. And, and I also think that that could be a scouring of the Shire moment for George, which he loved. Right. It's his favorite part of <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So if uh, I believe that the ending of uh, Song of Ice and Fire will be extremely melancholy. And yeah. I think it would probably be fitting if um, someone like a Paul Atreides from like Dune essentially is sitting on the Iron Throne at the end of the series. And we as the readers know how big of a mistake that is. Right. And the show, it's almost like a joke. It's almost like, why did I come all this way? Hold on a second. Are you telling me that Paul Atreides shouldn't be sitting on the throne at the end? I'm not saying anything. Did like you just that. ruin Dune part two for me? Well, no, 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 absolutely not. I'm saying that <laughs> they have similar traits um, okay. you know, they're very powerful. They're young men and it is almost a burden on them rather well, one than one of them is blessing. Timothy Chalamet. Okay. Right. And he's put some respect for, on his name. Absolutely. He's about to be Willy Wonka, I think. Let's go. Uh, so, so, yeah. Um, okay. One last thing here. And then, uh, we just have a Raven we'll dive into, but another, just one other thing I think to sort of take away from this is. Because I think this is something to look at, and as it sort of ties into the main series, is if you look at all these different regions talking about their sort of hero that is the one that pushed back the Long Night, especially mm -hmm. the one over in Ashai is Azor High. Yes. Well, so hold on a second. Is if Azor High is the one that's pushing back the Long Night over there, why is Melisandre over here looking for who she believes is going to be Azor High, right? Yeah, it's not clear, though, if Azor Ahai did not come to Westeros, though, I don't think. We don't know. We're not sure. Right. Now, the one thing that's interesting about that is that that is R'hllor, which R'hllor is not like the commanding religion in Westeros. Like, there's obviously mm -hmm. a, a section of Westeros or some people that believe it, but it's very much a foreign religion. But it does seem like Azor Ahai is the legend that most people talk about in the main series. So it's right. kind of and weird. I and it also gets sort of, I think, I think we as readers with theorizing do it as well as the characters in the book sort of yeah. blend some of these prophecies together mm -hmm. that may not necessarily be the case, right? Like, I think sometimes we, we and the characters in the book sort of blend the idea of yeah. the Zorahai and the prince or princess that was promised and three heads of the dragon. Those can all be totally separate things. And I like that may be something that the characters mess up. Yeah. Right. Th not only us as like people out sitting outside theorizing, but that does not mean that they have anything to do with each other or whatsoever. Yeah, there, there's a there's almost like a second narrative in A Song of Ice and Fire that belongs strictly to the theory community, which the theory community has gotten stuff right. There's also I mean, let's be honest, this is just fun. Our iceberg was Absolutely. a ton of fun. But right. when you get back in and, you know, we're going to be finishing up Storm of Swords and then going into Feast and Dance and Feast and Dance is where a lot of the outstanding theories belong because, you know, we don't have the kind of the penultimate book to wrap that that kind of, uh, you know, three book arc up. But 
I just reread them all last year again for like the 80th time. And I got to tell you, when you go back into the books, you start thinking, you start looking at some theories and you're like, that is not what this story is. Like, this isn't what this story is about. Uh, so it is good from time to time to, to reread these books just for the sole fact that I think it gives a better perspective on what is actually likely when it comes to theories, because some stuff goes so far out of uh, left field with a character that is truly just a footnote or just an addition to the world building. Um, and then like crafts, why they are going to be so, so important. Um, it, like for instance, we don't talk about Samuel Tarly barely at all um, in theories, but Samuel Tarly is going to be a major player. And you, it is obvious that that that's the case in my opinion, once you read the final, you know, the final uh, scenes with Sam, you can tell that something's building with him. And he has a really cool character arc that he's a coward becoming a hero in a way. And uh, he's not he's not the prince that was promised. He's also not Prince Charming, but he is with a girl and he's raising someone else's son. Like he is a very interesting uh, twist on a coming of age. Uh, not not a chosen one. Right. The opposite of a chosen one. In fact, he has been rejected almost his entire life. So. And I think that's the stuff that George is a lot more interested in telling stories about. Like that's, that's the characters that he's more interested in. So I do think that it, it, it's good to reframe some of these theories and ideas by getting back in the text and even reading uh, world of ice and fire does that as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I 100, yeah, 100% agree. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how it all, how it all plays out. And I mean, I think honestly, once we do get winds of winter, I feel like we'll be able to see the big picture yes, of how like a lot of things are going to end, which I think, which is still why I believe that I don't, I think dream of spring is way easier to write. Than For it certain it is because there's, there's things that, and he did say he's changing some stuff, but there's things that have been set in stone from the beginning that have been hint, hinted at that we'll have, you know, resolution to that. He's already, he's already written. Um, supposedly he's written the last few sentences or paragraph of the final book. So whether yeah. he rewrites that, we'll have to see. But I agree with you. And another thing that that we can look forward to and, and folks, when we get back into this reread, it's going to be a lot of fun because when we read books four and five, we have to remember that those are almost in a way like a Game of Thrones and a Clash of Kings. And then, you know, the capping the capstone of it all is Storm of Swords that ties up all these things that we should have seen coming. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you now, there's a bunch of stuff that we have overlooked and whenever winds comes out and it ties up some of these uh, threads from feast and dance, we're going to go, Oh my God, how did we miss it? Right. And I that still is argue, why George is the master man. I still argue that some of, and you and I haven't really done it. Um, obviously Ezra and I did, but um, you and I can go back and look at some of these things. Like some of the things I think that, that theorists sort of like look at, and they're like, Oh, I can point here and point here and point here and say, this is this, it. like, especially like patch face and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. That's necessarily true. Cause some of those things may relate to something that we haven't even seen yet. Now, wouldn't that be something? So with that, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. And if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, and write a review, or leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com, or at our website, bendtheneepodcast.com. Yes, we will see you next time, and remember that winter is coming.